Hello and welcome back to She's In Focus, the podcast dedicated to inspiring and empowering female filmmakers and videographers from all walks of life and on every step of their creative journey. I'm your host, Kel Grant, an aspiring filmmaker from New Jersey who's just trying to turn my passion into something more and connect with amazing women who have the same passion for video. One of those being Marissa McGarry, a featured videographer in the East Tennessee area who takes pride in helping bring her client's story to life through audio and video, whether that be a wedding, lifestyle, real estate, or commercial shoot. She and her husband do it all with their company, Two Peak Studios. There's so much to get into here today, and Marissa is here to tell us all about it. Marissa, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Kel. Thank you. I'm a fan of your show. I think it's awesome. I'm excited to be a guest, and, you know, it's just really fun collaborating with like-minded people. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you've heard, like, the community over competition phrase, and I think that there's yes. just so much... Um, room for us female filmmakers to support each other as we kind of maybe not dominate the industry, but I feel like there's a lot more um, female videographers um, today and we can totally support each other. So thank you for having me on the show. Of course. And yeah, dominate. We can use that word. We're taking over. We're making (laughs) space for ourselves. (laughs) I love it. Oh my goodness. There's so much to talk about. I saw your Instagram accounts and I was just fascinated with your life. You, you know, you got the man, you got the business, you got the the side hustle, the wellness podcast. You're an essential oils expert, a musician. You seem like you've surrounded yourself with some really awesome, like-minded, wonderful people. And you're just living the life that you want to live. And I want to dive into kind of all those different areas of your life because it's so cool that just by viewing your social media profiles that I was able to understand those things about you. And I'm really interested to see how all of those areas kind of overlap with your creative side and how that ultimately impacts your your filmmaking career. So you own your own production company, Two Peak Studios, and this is unique for a number of reasons, but one of them being you are a husband and wife media team. I love this concept. I want to hear all about it, but first you got to give us some context. I have to know the love story. How did you guys meet? Oh my gosh. We met on a dating app. (laughs) I love that. Was it Tinder or was it something, uh, you know, different? um, It's called Mutual and it's like a Christian dating app. And um, yeah, we just, we had a million things in common. Um, We both, you know, love being creative, music, traveling. And on our first date, we realized we were both going to Nashville at the same time. I was going for um, a conference and he was going to visit a friend. And so it was funny because we like kept dating and progressively, you know, got a little more serious. And then he ended up proposing to me in Nashville. We're originally from Utah. So that was really fun. And then, um, he decided to finish school out in Tennessee. So now we live in Eastern Tennessee. It's a little bit East of Knoxville. I live in Johnson city and yeah, Mitch and I work together. He's definitely a little more of the behind the scenes guy introverted. Whereas I'm like the very (laughs) extroverted Enneagram seven, like, um, you know, we're very opposites in that way, but we do have a lot of of things in common. So he helps me with a lot with editing and just behind the scenes stuff. He flies our drone. He um, uh, doesn't love to like stick around for like weddings and stuff. So I've been thinking about hiring maybe a, an intern or something to just come help me with those long wedding days. But yeah, it's really fun <laughs> being, a, being a two person team. Um, I think a lot more goes in behind the scenes than people think does. So Mitch, Mitch is definitely an equal part of the business, even though that I'm like the face of the business and I started it, but he helps me a lot. So yeah, that's a little bit about us. That's awesome. So when you started um, Twin Peak Studios, did you always have the vision that you would work together? Or did you kind of found it and then, you know, added him on? How did that work? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I have... I have always wanted to do something as like a husband and wife team. I think there was a little stint there where we um, we both have a background in music as well. So we, we did like music stuff together as a duo, um, you know, a little awesome. bit of performing. And um, yeah, we're both just like-minded in that entrepreneurial 
mindset. So I kind of did start it thinking like this would be great to do together. Um, I didn't anticipate like how we would be different. Um, you know, as I told before, like Mitch doesn't really want to hang around for the weddings and I totally get that because he's like more introverted and, um, but there's some projects that he really likes that I'm not crazy about like real estate. Um, and he can just like, you know, fly the drone and do his thing by himself. So yeah, it's been fun to see like how we are developing our differences, but I did kind of want, intend it to be a thing that we could do together. And I don't know if it will always be that way because um, Mitch has other passions and projects. So it might merge into me having a different sort of team, maybe a, f a female, <laughs> a female filmmaker team. But um, yeah, for now, it's really fun working together. We don't get sick of each other and uh, we, we like tackling the different aspects and things that we both enjoy like separately in the business. That's awesome. It sounds like it's so fulfilling for both of you. It's kind of nice that you have that balance of like, he, he likes to do the things that you don't like to do and you'll take over the things yeah. that he doesn't like to do. And it really works well that way. Yeah. And it was great. Um, cause I was saying we both have a, a background in music as well. And Mitch particularly in audio, um, and you know, took some like recording classes. He also has a podcast, shout out to the Moderately Interesting Podcast. It's all about like pop culture and nerdy stuff. Um, but yeah, Amazing. so he was able to qu pick up video editing um, fairly quickly just cause he kind of had a background in audio editing. So I was able to teach him, um, you know, it's a little bit different, it's a little bit the same and he picked it up pretty quick, but um, yeah, I, I, it's, I'm really grateful because I am very busy here now and I don't think I could be doing as much as I uh, am able to if I didn't have his help. So shout out to Mitch. <laughs> there's, a, there's an awesome, awesome guy supporting a lot of us female filmmakers behind the scenes and we are very grateful. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, my 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 boyfriend is uh, is the same way. I have him do so much uh, for me behind the scenes, but he doesn't get credit. He's not on the <laughs> he's not mentioned on on the website or anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so you have a background in music. How did you kind of implement that into your business? Because I, I saw that you you chose to market yourself as a company that specializes in both video and audio. So tell me a little bit about that decision and how your background in music and audio affected that. Ooh, good question. Um, yes, so I am more of a classically trained musician. I have a degree in percussion, which is like hitting stuff, you know, triangles, cymbals, <laughs> uh, awesome. xylophones, and it was a great time. But um, yeah, where we live now, it's a little more in the country. I wasn't finding a lot of opportunity just to play as a musician. I think there's more opportunity for that. Um, if you live in a big city or, you know, you move to Hollywood and play for TV sets or move to Broadway and play for um, the shows. And yeah, I just, I don't know, that that dream got a little bit um, put, put away. And I just, I really love living like out in the country. So um, where we live is, is um, very passionate about music in Eastern Tennessee. Um, everyone thinks of like Nashville as Music City, but Eastern Tennessee has a lot of um, bluegrass and Appalachian music roots. So people here really love their music. And um, I thought, you know, I've, I'm, I've, I have a lot of passions as we all do, but I said, you know, if I can kind of market myself as an expert in audio and video, I think that is very, um, I don't know, just, just a little bit different. And so I just do try to make sure that I, at first I get this, Kel, at first I was like composing music tracks to go along with the videos and it was way too much. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can imagine. Oh man. Ever. So, um, you know, as far as like writing the music and then recording it and it was just a little too much. So maybe that could be a cool idea in the future to be like, um, I don't know if a filmmaker or a videographer that uses like all original compositions, I don't know, maybe it's wow. a possibility, but for now I use um, other, other music libraries and I just try to really understand the vibe and emotion of um, the project that I'm working on and um, also make sure that I'm incorporating good audio as far as like using microphones and editing that into the films and Mitch helps me with a lot of that stuff. 
because um, I feel like there is a little bit of a difference between someone that's just turning on their camera and recording somebody, whereas someone that takes the time to um, make sure they have a lav mic on or, you know, a boom or something, you know, just a little mm -hmm. bit extra care. So I wanted to just set myself a little bit apart from maybe some other <laughs> videographers in the area, not that I'm better, but just some things that make me different. And maybe that's what someone is looking for in particularly or have the budget for. And so, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about why we why we branded it that way, just because we do have a lot of um, knowledge in music and audio as well. So I figure we might as well say that on our website and say that to our clients um, and make sure that they know it is a priority to us. Yeah, and I think it really does um, set you apart from other videographers in the area, I'm sure. Um, and it's also, it's, it's, it's funny because now you have an ear for the music. So the music tracks, I, I was watching some of your, uh, your wedding videos and everything. And I was like, ah, oh, I can tell she picked this music track because it fits perfectly with the video. Uh, so it, it I'm sure it has its advantages. And sometimes it takes five hours. So yeah, the good, the perfect song is definitely important. Of course, of course. So that's the audio side of it. How did you get started in video? Rumor has it that you uh, were, were kind of big on the YouTube scene as a teen. So uh, tell me how that inspired your, your filmmaking yeah. journey here. Okay. Um, and now maybe big is a great word. I don't know if I would use the word successful, <laughs> but um, that's totally where I learned my, my video skills. And I think it all started with makeup tutorials you guys are looking at me and being like, uh, she's not a makeup expert. And no, I'm no, not. No, no. But, um, <laughs> I think maybe all of us girls at some point have searched for a video on YouTube, how to do makeup or maybe a certain product or something. And that's kind of where I just started watching videos. And just cause I was trying to learn how to do my makeup when I was probably, I don't know, 16 or 17. And, um, I just, I was fascinated, not necessarily with makeup, makeup's great, but I was just fascinated with a video, the video process and I would kind of reverse engineer it in my mind. Oh, how did they film this? How did they set that up? How did they do this time-lapse? How did they do this flat lay? How did they, um, you know, do this voiceover? And I just, I don't know, my mind started kind of breaking it apart and just becoming really curious. So actually my first YouTube video that I made was a makeup tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I was watching that's and that's um you know I was just kind of trying to like I guess replicate it in a way and uh so yeah I do I still have a very old makeup tutorial on my channel somewhere um but then I started watching other types of content and diving into all sorts of different genres on YouTube you can find anything you want to watch on there and um really liked vlogs there was a really big um creator community in where I used to live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Tons of amazing creators. And um, the, we had a group called Utah YouTubers. Don't remember how I found it, but monthly meetups, you could go to monthly meetups and, or like help on projects if they needed um, gaffers or like, <laughs> I don't know, production right. assistants, behind the scenes stuff. So I got to work on some really cool projects with some really um, big names, Lindsay Sterling, the piano guys. Um, we had Lily wow. Singh in for an interview once on that late show, which I helped with, um, like snacks and I don't know, just some random things. Devin super tramp, um, Parker Walbeck. And that's just like some of the projects I got to work on, but there's a lot of like family vloggers in Utah and I got to meet all sorts of really cool people and just learning about the different genres of video. So that's just kind of how I got started. And um, I've always loved watching YouTube. I haven't necessarily like made it on YouTube. In fact, it's something that I really want to work on this year is just kind of revamping, rebranding re my YouTube channel and making some different kind of videos. We don't need any more makeup tutorials from me. <laughs> but um, Well, you got one subscriber right here for sure. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, yeah. But typically I've just kind of done like vlogs, um, uh, tutorials and things like that. And um, I think YouTube is a great place to, um, you know, show off your skills as a filmmaker. So yeah, the, the whole reason I started my videography business is a friend 
said, hey, don't you know how to make videos? Could you do my wedding video? I'll pay you 200 bucks. And I said, uh, yeah, <laughs> why not? Heck yeah. So um, that's that's kind of where it all began. And um, still, still love YouTube. I think it's a, a very cool platform especially in the fact that you can produce more of a residual income for yourself where the videos live online for forever and it's not just a client paying you one time for this one thing. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes I get clients, but um, I definitely think that if you have video skills, you can use that to your advantage if you want to be on YouTube or maybe if you want to have a really consistent gig, you could edit videos for a YouTuber and um, I just think it's an awesome social media platform. So that's how I got started with YouTube and my video business. <laughs> that's awesome. And I do definitely want to talk about social media as well. But so how did you gain your skills, like the technical skills? Was it just kind of going to those meetups and picking up a camera where you could? How did you do that? Yeah, I definitely would say more camera skills during meetups and um, shadowing some other people and then editing skills. Um, I mean, YouTube University, you can look up all sorts of things. So I edit on Final Cut Pro and I have for a long time. And um, when I wanted to get a little more serious about my skills, I did sign up for full-time filmmaker, which um, Parker Welbeck is a, a Utah friend that I got to go to with Meetup. So he actually gave me a little bit of a discount. Thank you, Parker. Very nice. <laughs> um, to do his course. And I think there's like thousands and thousands of people that have done that full-time filmmaker online course. It's very concise and well put together. So um, that's pretty much where I've learned my skills. And, you know, some of it is just self-taught stuff and experimentation. And I feel like you probably feel the same, Kel. Every time you do a project, you're maybe you try something new or you just learn something new and it's just like a very continuous progression and practice makes not perfect, but practice makes um, more practice and more practice and eventually you get a little bit better. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Every shoot is a learning opportunity. Every chance I have to pick up my camera, um, there's always something new that I'm learning or trying out. And it's, uh, I think that's the kind of beautiful thing about videography is you know, just when you think you've, you've mastered a particular thing, there's always another way to look at it. There's always another shot to compose. There's always another transition to use here. Um, you know, you can really, it's kind of this, like you were saying, this ongoing progression of you getting better as a filmmaker, but also you just exploring your creativity. And there's just, there's endless possibilities in this space. And, um, and it, when, of course, when you're just talking video, but then when you add audio to it, like that was something that really leveled up my production was thinking about sound design. Like that was something I had never considered before signing up for full-time filmmaker and, and going through those sections and being like, oh, that makes sense that when she's running through the grass, you would hear grass or yeah. you'd hear footsteps, <laughs> just like little things like that. And now when I watch videos, um, whether that be on YouTube or on the big screen, these are things that I look for. And it's, uh, it's kind of a gift and a curse because I can't sit back and completely enjoy a movie anymore. Now I kind of, I sit there and I'm like, oh, did you see that? Did you see that transition? And she, That's where he made a cut. Oh, I know exactly why he did that. So it's, uh, it's just kind yeah. of a funny uh, evolution. <laughs> totally. I remember going to see, it was probably, I mean, it was maybe over a year ago. Um, what was that film called? I think it was 1914 or 1912. 1917. 1917. 19. And I watched it and I like turned to Mitch after I'm like, that was like one continuous shot. Maybe there was like one break. And he's like, what are you even talking about? I'm like, they weren't like cutting scenes the whole movie. It was just like, it flowed and I was like flabbergasted. So then I had to go look up afterwards how they filmed that um, movie in one shot. It's very cool. Look that up on YouTube if you're curious. But um, yeah, there's always so much more to learn, new things to try. I never get bored. I think I will do this for a very long time. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. But you also have like so many other hobbies, which um, we're definitely going to touch on. But I do want to circle back to social media. The one thing that instantly stood out to me about you was just your ability to market yourself. Your, you know, between your website and your social profiles, um, including like your personal pages as well as your business page. And um, 
were you like what's your secret were you always good at that <laughs> where yeah. did you learn I've always been an oversharer um and a storyteller I guess to some extent which is very important not only with videography but with social media um I I think I mean I just from a very young age I, I've obviously loved music and that's like a way to tell stories I've also acted a lot when I was really little like six seven my mom put me in like this recitation class where you would like memorize these poems like old you know Edgar Allan Poe and like um Emily what's her Dickinson <laughs> and I would memorize <laughs> these poems and have to like go recite them so I think I've just always loved maybe entertaining or storytelling to an extent and I mean I think I made my first blog when I was like 13 I called it Frazzle Fridays and I was just writing about Aww. like my high, my uh, <laughs> like junior high school experience me and my friends would go get Frazzles from the gas station every Friday so that's why I named it that but um I've always loved documentation um and I think a little bit more uh like visual or audio aspect because I'm not so great about like writing in a journal um but like I love making videos or like voice recordings um if I go on trips I did like a mission trip for my church for a year and a half and I brought like this audio recorder with me like a zoom um and I would just that's how I would journal because <laughs> I think it's great to sit down and write out your thoughts but um sometimes I just like to be quick and easy and I just let, want to speak how I want to speak and sometimes if I'm writing I feel like I'm overthinking it and trying to make it like too poetic or fancy so um yeah I've just I've always loved just um talking I guess in general and um so that's a little bit about me and I think it is important to be present on your social media if you are a business owner because at the end of the day I mean, you might be selling a product or a service, but people really want to buy things from you. If they know who you are, I think that goes a really long way. So I do make it a point to show up in, at least in my stories, if not elsewhere, on my social media pages so people know who I am. And I think it makes it very more um, friendly. I think it's great when people can get to know you a little bit before you know maybe a client before they book you or things like that I always appreciate that too like when I went to go check out Kel and I'm like oh she's awesome and I love her hair I do my hair like that too <laughs> um so you know I I think that in this day and age I feel like a lot of people especially are burnout on social media but um there's so much creativity to be had I know I find a ton of inspiration on social media and I just want to make sure that I'm also creating before I consume because I think that's when people get really overwhelmed or burnout is just if there's just always scrolling 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 and feel like they're wasting so much time a day um, but if you're creating and putting content out there then I think it can really move your business forward that's huge yeah creating over consuming I definitely like that just you know all the bells went off in my head there like that's I totally suffer from that <laughs> I mindlessly am scrolling through TikTok and I don't care what anybody says. TikTok is a trap. They will, you know, you know, you're scrolling for for five seconds and then you're there for an hour and a half. This has happened to me <laughs> so many times. It's unreal. And I just yeah, that's exactly what happens. And then I, I get down on myself because I'm like, you know, why am I not out here making TikToks? Why am I not, you know, posting as frequently on my Instagram as I'd like? And it's because I'm consuming and not creating. Wow. That's yeah. funny. That's uh, I, I pull a reel for every episode and I just I'm flagging this as a reel. I'm going to post uh, Perfect. with your I tip here for that. Um, it's so funny that you said that you enjoy um, documenting your, your kind of journey through like voice recordings or video as opposed to writing because I'm the exact same way right now I'm going through a um a Spanish like immersion kind of program and Ooh, cool. you know part of the the task is to journal every day and talk about your lessons and how you're feeling in the community and I was like I just if, if it's for, if it's up to me and I have to sit down and take the time to write it I won't do it but, you know, any excuse to get my camera out. Plus, then I get to create, like, something from all of those experiences. Like, I love a good 
like before and after so like right now i'm documenting this this spanish journey and you're gonna see like here's how i felt at orientation all the way to here's how i felt in my last class and it'll be like a living documentation of what happened as opposed to just something that's going to live and stay on paper so i definitely relate to you in that aspect i love that can you imagine like before and after photos like if they didn't exist, like, you know, for, for working out, it's like, look at this. You know, if you were just right. reading about it, like, I feel so much healthier. I lost 20 pounds. Yeah. Like it doesn't convey the same way as seeing a picture of it or, or video. So Absolutely. yeah, just you can say so much more. And like you were saying, for me, it's just sometimes easier and faster. And I don't overthink it as I do when I'm writing down. So yeah, everything has a purpose, but um, I love that medium of documentation and sharing. Of course, me too, me too. So speaking of documentation and sharing, one of the most uh, beautiful forms of videography has to be wedding videography. And this is from an outsider's perspective. I've never filmed the wedding. So I know you're coming up on your, th or you had in April, your 30th wedding video shoot. So I wanna hear from you firsthand, What's it like filming a wedding? The pros, the cons, the good, the bad, the ugly. Tell me about it. Ooh, I love it. Um, I look, I like weddings a lot. I know there's some people that don't care for them at all or get sick of them, and maybe I will someday, but I think they are very enjoyable. Um, I go for the food, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just um, but seriously, I was telling Mitch the other day, or last weekend, I was like, eating some cake on the way home. And I was like, I don't know the last time I made a cake. I'm always eating cake because I'm always doing weddings. And I also make content for a local bakery in our town. And I'm like, I'm eating cake all the time, but I don't know the last time that I made a cake. So it's just kind of funny. Um, just an influx of cake. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah, weddings are, are great. Um, I feel like you get a lot of I will say usually, um, build up with your clients. Um, you get to know them, so that's really fun. Some other projects that I do, like I, sometimes I don't even interact with the person that I'm working for. Um, so that's really fun as far as weddings go. Um, I always send them over like a questionnaire that I've put together so that they can fill out like, what time do you want me to be where? And what's your schedule for the day? And things like that. But I also ask questions like, are there any sentimental objects of it like, in your day because sometimes people will have special things like personalized cufflinks or um you know very special veil or like i don't know some maybe a family member that's passed away that they'll have a picture of sitting in the aisle and i want to really make sure to highlight those things because i feel otherwise that wedding videos would be very cut and dry and not as personalized so i make sure to talk with the clients beforehand about things that are special with them and get to know them a little bit before. Um, I love to go out to dinner with my clients before wedding days if I can, or at least just like FaceTime or Zoom or something. So you don't, you know, you're just, you're documenting like a very special day of someone's life and it's nice to have a little context and a little bit of background. And I also feel like it helps me if I know them with my um, music choices afterwards. I can go in and say, oh, mm -hmm. they're totally country bumpkins. I'm definitely gonna pick something more folky sounding or something like that. Or if at the reception I notice they're playing a ton of rap music, then maybe I know I can use a little more EDM type of music in the um, later half of the video, the party, the party stuff. So it really helps with music choice to know your clients as well. But um, for the most part, like uh, people will book me for eight hours that they, they have like a full day package and a half day. And that's what people mostly book me for the eight hours. So I show up and I just try to be to an extent a fly on the wall. I actually shoot all of my weddings right now handheld and um, minus wow. the ceremonies. I will put I will put <laughs> three cameras up on tripods for the ceremonies. But other than that, otherwise, I'm just like walking around, I have my camera in hand, and I feel like it just gives me a little bit more creativity and a little more low pro profile because I don't want to be attracting all of the attention. I saw a picture once that was like a photographer posted it and was like, 
this was my worst nightmare working with this videographer crew and it's like a whole tv crew of like four people like up in the business during the ceremony with like a boom <laughs> mic and like you know three videographers and like it was just so much so i tried to be as low profile but also making sure that i'm getting good content um so like lav mics i like i have a zoom recorder i put that i hide it somewhere in like the arch or by a speaker if people are going to be mic'd, you know, I have to kind of figure out things beforehand, but I don't want to be a TV crew showing up at someone's wedding. So I try to just be kind of low profile and nice. And for the most part, the days are wonderful and go swimmingly. Um, I love hanging out with the photographer and we kind of teaming up together. And for the most part, I let the photographer lead and direct kind of the shots and then if I want something with a little more movement I'll say oh can you redo that but actually like move around a little bit or like you know if they're holding their dress can you swish it back and forth or can you actually put on your ring or put on your jacket just so I have a little more movement there and um the reception's the best I'm always on the dance floor like <laughs> I just posted from last weekend um the YMCA I was up there dancing with the DJ and dancing with everyone and um if that's not your style that's fine but I just love like getting into the crowd and feeling the vibe and pumping people up so um yeah I mean I like wedding days a lot they are sometimes long and then you know long editing hours I think typically it takes me 20 to 30 hours to finish a wedding film, just depending on different types of add-ons that they have. If they have a full ceremony edit they want, if they have, you know, they read letters to each other or something, then that's going to take a little more time than just putting clips to music, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, it's, it's a good time. I like weddings. And like I said, there's usually good food involved. I have it in my contracts if I'm there longer than... Um, four hours I get to eat and I like to eat when they are eating so oftentimes I will like jump in the line right at the beginning so I can eat and like get back to work but um, yeah they know that so they're not like put off like oh why is the videographer like just jumping in line hogging the food <laughs> um, so if Marissa's like at, you, at your wedding filming it she's <laughs> hopping in the front of the line for food and she's on the I'm, dance floor, the dance floor. <laughs> yeah but I don't know I feel like people um, enjoy that I have like a personality. Um, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. I think it's important to, um, be happy and be positive and be upbeat. And if you're hangry all day, then you aren't going to be that way. So <laughs> true that. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're at the wedding, you said in the beginning that you have, a three camera setup for the ceremony. Are you running this by yourself or do you bring an assistant with you to help? Yeah, it's all me. I've been thinking about hiring an assistant, but um, yeah, for the most part I can handle everything. The ceremony is definitely the most stressful part because I don't want to miss anything, but I'll lob up the officiant. I'll put a zoom mic somewhere hidden to just, just as like a backup option or if the bride and groom talk really quiet or you know, things can just go wrong. So I like having like two options for audio and then I'll have, um, I'll put one mic, sorry, one camera in the, on the right side and one on the left. And then I will have one on my person so that I can kind of move around a little bit. And yeah, it's just good to have options, especially cause you know that, that moment, that walking down the aisle moment, you don't want to miss that. So um, I'll usually have one like on the groom, like watching for his reaction, the one I'm holding, I will be filming the bride so that I make sure I can move it if she's, you know, moving down the aisle and such. So yeah, it works okay wow. right now just being mm -hmm. a loner, but I think it would be quite beneficial to have an assistant or at least just someone to hang out and eat cake with. <laughs> of, of course, of course. If I lived closer, it'd be me. I'd be there in a heartbeat. Yes. All right. Well, if I'm ever up in New Jersey, I'll call you up. Perfect. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, yeah. For, what are some challenges that you've experienced when filming weddings or even just filming anything on your own? Because I think that's kind of my biggest apprehension sometimes is mm -hmm. being a one woman band, one woman show 
and then managing all of this gear. And if you have three cameras, you can't possibly man three cameras at the same time. So it's like, have you run into kind of issues or challenges with that before? Yeah. Um, and it's definitely a learn as you go type of thing. I mean, when I first started this, I only had one camera, obviously, and then I added another and then I added another. So, um, you know, you definitely don't have to start off with th three cameras. And I got a little more comfortable doing that as I, you know, got more experience and got more money, obviously, because cameras are expensive. But mm -hmm. um, I think the biggest time I have problems is just when I don't go in with a plan um, or there's not like a wedding coordinator. That's so helpful when people have a wedding coordinator and someone that's just keeping things on track, someone that knows who everybody is, somebody that has a timeline of what people are supposed to do when. And I don't know, maybe some people are like, we just want our wedding to be fun and breezy. But in my experience, I think weddings are way more fun when you have a schedule. <laughs> um, so everyone knows where they're expected. Um, I think sometimes I do have problems when there are two video, sorry, two photographer teams or a team with two mm -hmm. photographers at the wedding day. Does that right. make sense? Um, mm -hmm. Because often I feel like one will go hang out with the bride and the bridesmaids and stuff during like getting ready time and taking their portraits and things like that. And one will go hang out with the groom and with his people and take their pictures. And so sometimes that does get a little tricky where I'm like, running back and forth trying to make sure I get both um so I'm, I'm that's not that big of a deal because you can get stuff going back and forth but yeah I remember one time I had a two photographer team um and I the venue was very spread out like you had to take a golf cart back and forth like to the to the bride's <laughs> place and then to the groom's space and I, I was like so tired. I felt like I'd been walking around at Disneyland like <laughs> after that oh day. Gosh. So um, so that's a little bit challenging, but now I know like, okay, I wanna talk with the photographer beforehand. So I know what I'm expecting from them as well. Um, and yeah, again, with the photography, sometimes we get in each other's way. So when you can have communication beforehand, that's super helpful. Like hey, during the ceremony, this is how I set up. I'll have a camera here and here. Um, I will be hanging out in this general area. What do you guys usually do? Or just talking about it beforehand. So that's probably just my biggest hang up is just working with photographers. And not that it's a bad thing, but if you don't have a plan beforehand, I feel like you can run into some issues. So I always make sure to chat with the photographer beforehand because we are like the paparazzi team. It's important to work together, especially so the couple doesn't feel like they are just taking pictures and videos all day, you know, if you're like doing things separately. Um, so the more you can work together, the more smooth your day will go. Um, and even like knowing who the venue owners are, who other the other vendors are, the DJ, I always talk to the DJ too and make sure I know his kind of setup. Hey, are you using a microphone? Um, during speeches because that will affect my choice of if I want to put a lav mic on who's giving the speeches if they're Using a microphone to speak into then I know I can just kind of pick up sound from um, the DJ's right. setup so <laughs> Talking to your vendors beforehand and the couple to make sure you know what they want has saved me many many mistakes <laughs> That's yeah, that's great advice too. I uh, I there's so I've never shot a wedding before, so there are so many things I haven't even considered. Like I, I I'd be so concerned about getting the right shots, I wouldn't even be worried about talking to the the DJ and the vendors and the photographer. But um, I guess those are the things that really make the difference at the end of the day, for sure. Yes, yes, for sure. The shots will be there, especially with video. I, at least I feel like you want candid stuff, and you just kind of want to be sneaking around, like you know, not getting up in people's faces. And there's definitely times for a little more cinematically like portraity stuff, you know, during sunset or whatever with the couple. But um, for the most part, I just like to be a fly on the wall and know like in my questionnaire, I'm, I'm like, who are your important people? Like, do you guys have grandparents? Do you guys have any flower girls? Do you guys have, are all of your parents gonna be there? So knowing who the key people are that I want to make sure in the video as well. I think you can just learn a lot from asking questions beforehand. Definitely. Do you ever get 
um, clients that are like, okay, don't put this person in the video. We do not want them on camera. Really? (laughs) Yes. I've added that now to my questionnaire under that. The last question I said, I said, is there anyone that literally does not want to be on video or are there any people that have problems um, being around each other that I should be aware of? Um, And I don't think it's rude at all to ask those questions. I think people are grateful for it. Um, For the most part, people just say like, no, it's chill. But I have had an instance where someone was like, yes, you know, we have a divorce here and these people do not want to be around these people. So please make sure you get shots of both of them, but not together. You know, don't ask them to like stand together for a a photo or video. Um, So that's really helpful information because, you know, you you don't want to like step on toes. (laughs) And um, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I like there is a lot of pre-planning that goes into weddings as well as the afterwards of the editing. So the eight hours that you're there is like the least amount of work (laughs) in my opinion, just there's a lot that goes into it and afterwards. So I make sure I have like my timeline and my questionnaire and everything printed out that I've kind of studied it the night before. And I have like, I have a fanny pack, so I have easy access to it and like extra SD cards and batteries because um, I don't know if you relate, Kel, but I like can never find pants with like pockets that are like deep or like if I put a battery in there, it looks like I yeah. have a weird tumor or something. <laughs> so I have a like I just have a fanny right. pack or um, it's just easy access rather than like having things in a backpack or what have you. So be prepared with your plan. If you want to shoot weddings, you know, just start small and do your best to be prepared and ask questions is my advice for anyone that would want to start doing weddings. And if you can find a mentor so that, or, you know, someone you could intern with or something beforehand, just so you could experience it um, before you are the one with all the pressure on you to get all the shots and make it perfect. Um, I feel like that's just awesome if you can do a little bit of a mentoring experience before you go shoot your first wedding by yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I could tell that that would make a world of difference. And, you know, hearing you say all the work that goes into not only the the eight hours that you're shooting that day, but pre and post, I hope that you're building that into your prices. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. And I also noticed that you list your price, your starting prices on your website. And I haven't come across very many companies that have done that. Has that worked to your benefit? Because I know that some videographers are scared to put their numbers out there online like that. Yes, for sure. The way I do pricing is I have like my base rate for either the eight hours or the four hours that they choose. And then I have add-ons kind of like a la carte add-ons that people can choose from such as drone footage or like a full ceremony edit or a save the date video. I love doing those like engagement photos, but a video (laughs) Um, and a few other things. Um, So everybody's, you know, final pricing is different, but I think it's so helpful for me to just say my starting price of like my base rate um, because I maybe, maybe other people don't have this problem. I'm not trying to make myself myself sound really cool, but I was getting so many inquiries for people that I wasn't in their budget for, which is fine, but it saves me a lot of time of responding to all these emails and calling people and, um, you know, sending them invoices in my brochure and all this stuff if they know how much I even start at because then that just like narrows down the funnel Um, and I feel like I'm finding my ideal clients a lot more a lot easier that way um, because they know right off the bat they can just go to my site and see what I start at and if they want to choose add-ons from there then that's cool but I think it's really great to just have your starting prices um, listed if you seem to be getting a lot of inquiries or if you seem to be spending a lot of time answering emails you can totally just bypass some of that by just (laughs) listing your starting prices then it answers the first question that people are going to ask, which is how much do you charge? Of course. And if I'm a client, I actually would prefer that you list your prices because if I'm viewing your your portfolio and I'm loving your work and I fall in love with, you know, your, your style, and then I ask you that number and it's, you know, not something I can work with, then I'm heartbroken. And then you got to go do that, that same process over again with 10 other videographers. So it's certainly appreciated, I think, Absolutely. from both sides. 
And I think maybe some videographers are scared to post stuff like that because they feel like, oh, well, every, every budget's different. Every client's different. They all want different things. And that's cool. But like, you're going to be spending so much time customizing stuff for people. If you do it that way, if people are like, oh, I want, I want it like this. And then you price it out for that and this and that. So I just feel like it's so much easier to say, this is how much I charge and this is what you get. <laughs> I mean, that's what they do at yeah. like restaurants, right? They say, you can choose from this menu here. We make this and this is how much it costs and that's what you get and it's delicious. And they, you don't go into a restaurant saying, uh, can I talk to the chef? I have a special order and you know, I only want this and I don't want that. And of course you can make exceptions, right? If you're like allergic to something or if you have preferences, but for the most part, if people can just go into an experience knowing what to expect, I think that cuts down on a lot of your time that's not um, wasted answering emails and personalizing stuff for people. Um, and again, you know, people can totally have input and I tell people that on the phone. Like if you see videos that you really like the style of, send them over to me. Or if there's certain things that are important for you, I have that, you know, in a space on my questionnaire. But um, I've saved a lot of time just saying, this is what I do and this is how much I charge for it and it works great and look how pretty it is. So <laughs> it's, right. it's just easier that way for sure. If you want to be um, running your business and you don't want your business running you, then you have to have a little more automation, right? And so that's just an automation for me. Just have it listed, have the form, they can fill it out, done and done. Have the questionnaire, they can fill that out. It's the same thing, I send the same questionnaire every time. I'm not typing up emails every time saying, thinking of questions to ask, it's all, it's all been done, it's been thought out beforehand, and then I can just kind of send it out as needed. <laughs> Absolutely, and process is so important in, in business, especially in the video production space, you know, having those, even, even just thinking about the, the emails that I send out for this podcast, you know, making sure that the, the guests are aware of like the terms and conditions and the, and what to expect and everything like that. And it's even, it gets even deeper when you're talking about, you know, filming somebody's very special day. So laying it all out on the table when, you know, at the offset, is gonna really help, again, both parties, I think, benefit from the experience for sure. Absolutely. So you do a lot of different styles of video. What would you say your your main niche is? Would you say that that's weddings or do you, do you just like doing a bit of everything? Ooh, that is a good question. I would say I'm most busy with weddings and it's, what I get hired the most to do because people are getting married all the time. But, mm. um, yeah, I mean, if I, I'm doing my first documentary right now and I enjoy it, although it's very long and tedious process. Um, and I do enjoy that. I think it's really fun just to see like normal, a little bit more, uh, normal, normal life. I don't know. Weddings are just such a fun, special event and it's really awesome to capture those. But um, yeah, I got hired to do a, a documentary for a PBS show in my area called Song of the Mountains, which again, I was telling you about the Appalachian and bluegrass music here. So it's just a little bit about um, that experience and some people that are involved in my area. So that's been a really fun project. But I don't know if I, I would say I'm busiest with weddings. I don't know if I have a specific niche that is like my specialty. But because I do like doing a little bit of everything, um, if I could have it my way, I would love to do a little bit more um, like product content. I, I think it's really fun. And I like I was telling you, I, have, I work with a bakery here and I love doing that. Having a consistent client every month I know I can work for, I think is an awesome goal for any videographer, whether that be, um, I don't know, real estate can be really consistent. It's not for me, but it's just because I haven't pushed it. But right. um, you know, working with some small businesses in my area is something that I love. And um, product photography is difficult. And I like the challenge of it because it's not like you can say, hey, Cupcake, can you turn around and do a dance? Like, <laughs> you <have laughs> right. To, you have to get really creative and think of, think of ways um, to show off products. So I don't know. I think that's pretty fun. I would love to do a little bit more of that and maybe have like a setup studio or office space so that I'm not like 
taking my gear around and like schlepping it to all of these places. Um, mm -hmm. And I can just say like, hey, come drop things off to my studio and I will do photos and pictures for you. So that would be an awesome goal. And then I, I have another goal of doing some more like documentary-ish style things. Um, I would love to do like a travel show, maybe a YouTube series. Um, think like Anthony Bourdain, but like a girl who's like spunky and, um, but also, you know, <laughs> loves like food and culture and also music. So put like a little bit of a music fusion. I, I think there's so many shows on like Food Network that's like travel and food. And I would love to do like a travel, maybe some food and music. Like there's so many different music cultures. I love music, obviously, you know that. And it's an important thing. And it's something that I love to study um, in other cultures. So I would love to take on a project where I travel around, you know, interview music makers. I did a test round of this actually. Um, for my YouTube channel and it didn't go anywhere, but I think it could be a really good idea where my husband and I went to Spain and I interviewed a cajon maker. He makes these box drums. Yeah. You sit on them and you play them. And um, I interviewed him and I was still kind of learning. So it's like, it's not very good and I would totally redo it, but I at least got that experience. I put myself out there and I, you know, found someone to interview and, um, yeah, if I were to do it again, I would like want to actually go to his factory and like get some cool B-roll of him making stuff rather than just having like a one-shot <laughs> interview, like a talking head um, type of thing. So um, I have a lot of ideas and things that I might do in the future. I don't know if I'll do weddings forever, but um, they're paying the bills right now. <laughs> totally, totally. It's, uh, it's so nice to hear like you have visualized your your goals and your your aspirations and you have so many different interests and hobbies and it sounds like you really enjoy trying different things and, and just kind of going after it and I think that's going to take you so far especially with this you know with video like I said you have so many opportunities and that show that you're describing I would totally watch that show like I would invest in that show <laughs> that sounds so so cool um and there's you know it's one of those things that you can pilot like you were saying create it and as like kind of like a like a in spec ad style like do it for mm -hmm. without any any funding or for any money um kind of pilot it test it out and then continue from there because I guess the dream would be to be able to get paid for that and that would be your yeah. your business right yeah Certainly. well if totally. I do the kickstarter you'll be the first one to know <laughs> perfect right yeah yeah the she's in focus podcast will sponsor this uh <laughs> this endeavor yeah I just I love traveling. I love music. I have a lot of passions. So I definitely have spent a lot of time thinking, how can I combine them? How can I, you know, maximize my passions and put them together in some sort of way? And I think a lot of us spend so much time trying to figure out which passion to pursue. But, you know, I totally think it's possible to do more than one thing at a time. Um, it's just where, where do you want your focus on? So I feel like my focus is definitely a little bit more on video than it than you know a few years ago. I was definitely more focused with music and hustling that. But just to be honest, music is a hard hustle. <laughs> it's a hard hustle, and if you don't, I don't know if you don't make it big, it's it's a little bit of a struggle. And um, I have so much respect for musicians, and I think that. Um, it just takes a, it just takes a lot of hustle and I don't have to hustle quite as hard for video because there's so many people that need it all the time, especially in our day and age that it's just right. totally taken off and taken all of my time. Um, not all of my time, but a lot of my time. And so I've had to decide like, okay, um, all right, I'll focus on this right now. But maybe you've heard that quote, Kel, that's like, you can do it all, just not all at once. So yeah. I definitely have visualized some things that I want to do in the future and um, I think there's seasons for, for everything and that you can totally do multiple things if you schedule your day out right. And maybe if you're not super busy, like raising kids. So <laughs> who knows, maybe in a few years, I'll have some kiddos running around. I won't be able to be as full-time with my business, but, um, I think you can do anything you want to, if you, um, have good time management skills. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, uh, 
as I continue adulting, that's one of the things that I've been realizing um, quite quickly as I've stepped in more into the adult and independent world is, um, number one, you have to make time for the things that you like to do. Um, I feel like when I was younger, all my hobbies and interests were kind of scheduled out for me. You know, it was, I was on the basketball team. It was basketball practice was mandatory. All these things were mandatory. Um, or you had to do this to get a grade. And when you're an adult, it's like all of the things that you do as hobbies are just for you. And you have to really, you know, find the motivation to do it because there are, you know, there are sometimes some seasons of my life where I go through where it's like, you know, I'll do everything for a client. I'll do things for other people, but I'll kind of neglect to take care of, pardon me, myself. And, you know, I recently just joined that Spanish program I was telling you about. That's something that I've been thinking about mm -hmm. for a very long time. But I was finally like, you know what? I'm going to invest in myself. We're going to go on this journey. We're going to do that. And I also joined a, uh, a basketball league, which is something I did a lot in high school Yay. and college. But after college, I was like, you know, especially with this pandemic, I've just been sitting on my butt for a year and a half. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out and put myself out there. And these are all things that... Uh, I have to continually apply myself to um, and find the motivation to do them, even if I'm not getting paid to do it. So it's like getting oh, that yeah. that enrichment just by doing something that you you love and knowing that that is reason enough and that is validation enough to go after um, what you love doing and, and to spend t your time, you know, wisely doing things that will enrich your life instead of take away from it. Oh, absolutely. My husband and I have had many conversations on having hobbies that you don't make money from because I'm like mm -hmm. it's like a chronic illness that I have it's like if I love something <laughs> like I'll try and think of a way to make money from it like even yes. I got this like cricket machine so I can do crafts right like can, I can make like these labels and stuff um I can uh you know make crafts with and then I immediately think like oh how can I sell this like oh I'll start making cute little like labels for like roller bottles and like you know I don't know t-shirts and it's like I don't need to do that it's I mean I can but I don't need to do that um so yeah there's only so much time in the day um but I do think it's important to have a hobby that makes you think a hobby that makes you move um and a hobby that brings you closer to other people because I feel like especially I think we've all kind of taken some perspective that we need, we need other people. We need social interaction. It's so easy to stay on our own bubbles, um, mm. all day with the internet and working from home and all the things. So, um, I actually, I just joined like a CrossFit gym today, Kel, you'd be proud of me. Um, you know, to an extent and, uh, you know, I always like take my dog for a walk and this and that, but I was like, I need like a little bit more of like a social atmosphere, like some accountability. And, um, I think wellness is super important. So I know that everyone successful that I like admire and follow has some sort of a workout routine and, I have always made that an important step in my life, but um, getting back to the gym with other people is very um, empowering for not only your body, but you know it gives you some social output as well. So that is thing something that I'm working on. I have a sticky note right over here. <laughs> have a passion <laughs> for your mind and have a passion for your body. That's just something you like to do. You don't have to make money. So I'm like reading a lot right now for my mind, just fantasy. Like not even self-help, just like I'm reading fantasy books um, as a hobby and then I'm starting a new workout group as my other hobby. <laughs> awesome. Look at us go. It's so funny that you said uh, not self-help because I feel like those were the only, I, I just started reading um, a fiction book recently yeah. in Spanish and it's so funny before that I never except for like a school assignment picked up anything other than self-help because I always saw my hobbies as a means to an end it's like if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna get something out of it um and that's it's just so funny that uh, you you might feel the same way about those things I totally do I totally do and I have been playing some video games lately too which Marissa, two years ago, be like, video games are the biggest waste of time. But right. <laughs> I got some good Mario Kart going on. Some, uh, what did I get? Super Mario Sunshine. I've been playing that a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think it's great to have hobbies. And I think it's 
you got to have some balance in your day, especially if you work for yourself, because otherwise you can just work all day. Like there's not, there's no one telling yeah. you, okay, you can go home or like, it's time to start work. So I feel like last year, <clears throat> excuse me, last year, especially with the pandemic, I mean, I hustled really hard last year just to make sure that we made, made ends meet and everything, but I got, I did get a little burnt out and just realized it's really important to make sure I have time for some hobbies and some personal time as well. Of course. Yeah. I think a lot of us learned that lesson this, this past year. Uh, but speaking of wellness, I want to plug your podcast here right now before we hop off. So tell me about the feeling fab podcast. Ooh. Okay. I would love to, um, I'm actually on a break right now from season two, but I'll be starting season three back up in the fall. Um, so there's definitely a handful of episodes you can go listen to, but um, yeah, wellness is just something that is a super important topic to me and something that I'm really passionate learning about, teaching about. So my podcast um, over there is like a hybrid of wellness for your life and business. Um, I have some interviews with small business owners. I also have some interviews with more healthcare, um, not healthcare, but like wellness experts. I interviewed like my dental hygienist and we just talked about some different things about like teeth and teeth health and like natural remedies for for like toothaches and like all sorts of interesting things ingredients and toothpaste and just i don't know stuff that's interesting to me so um yeah i i enjoy my the podcast has been a fun outlet for me too to just fill my mind with other people's knowledge and also share some things that i'm passionate about i do take wellness very seriously, especially as an entrepreneur, like, you know, it's, it's hard to give yourself sick days and you want to feel good and make sure, you know, you don't want to come crashing down the night before a wedding and say, Hey, I can't come into work tomorrow. So, yeah. <laughs> um, taking care of my body is really important to me. I try and eat, um, healthy food, although I love sweets, love cake, like we were saying, yeah. <laughs> um, but I love, I love gardening. I love, um, you know, learning about healthy foods, eating the rainbow. Um, that stuff's all really important to me. And then supplementation, um, surrounding yourself with good products. And so part of that is like, for me, I love essential oils. I think they're just such awesome pure ingredients. They're just like plants mm -hmm. from mother nature. So I have used, um, essential oils since I was like 13. They've just been a part of my house and I, didn't realize that so many people didn't know about them. So I talk a lot about that on my personal page and like I share recipes that I make all the time, um, like all sorts of cleaners and food recipes. Um, and I think aromatherapy is awesome too. Like I love sitting here in my office and choosing like, oh, what a smell do I want to smell today? <laughs> and, um, totally. Yeah, our sense of smell is like so connected to our mood because it's um, our olfactory system goes up through our brain, connected to our limbic system. So yeah, you can totally influence your mood uh, by what you're smelling. Or have you ever had that happen where you like, you smell something and you get a memory come back like instantly? It's really cool. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I love, I love incorporating wellness hacks, happiness hacks, and all of that, that stuff into my life. So I talk a lot about that on my personal page which is Marissa Janelle and my podcast, which is the Phil and Fab podcast. And if you have any listeners, Kel, that would like to be a guest on my podcast, tell them to let me know because I'm uh, gearing up for my next season and would love to have some more fun interviews on wellness for your life or business. So yeah, I love it. Wellness is so important. And I've heard before, like your health is your wealth. And I feel so strongly that I couldn't be accomplishing the stuff that I was doing right now if I was not healthy. And there was a time in high school and in college where I was not healthy. I was not eating. I was not sleeping enough. I wasn't mm. taking care of my body and I was sick all the time. Um, and I don't know the last time I was sick. So knock on wood, <laughs> yeah. um, I've been sick for quite a long time. And I think a lot of that just goes with having good routines making sure that you're exercising and drinking water and all the silly things that we know we should be doing, just making time for them every day, spending time outside, um, you know, letting the fresh air in your house. It's, it can be really little things. It can also be 
those big things like eating your vegetables. So um, yeah, come hang out over on my personal page if you want to talk a little bit more about wellness. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I'm going to head there after this because I, uh, I, I have trouble <laughs> kind of incorporating those things. I, I find it to be a little bit of a chore that I have to be very intentional about drinking water and making sure I put on my diffuser if I'm, I'm in like a weird mood and all that other stuff. So uh, we'll definitely go check that out. So how can the viewers and listeners of this podcast support you, Marissa, as a filmmaker? Oh, that's so nice. Um, first of all, thank you for listening. Like if you spent time listening to this whole podcast, like, I just want to say thank you. I know your time is precious, as is mine and Kel's, and we, like, we're just grateful for you hanging out with us today. So thank you for the love and support, and um, if you want to give more love and support, um, a good place to hang out with me is my, I like Instagram. That's a really fun medium for me because it's documentation, right? I love hanging out on stories. Um, and I can get weird sometimes, so <laughs> just warning you there. Um, so Instagram, you can hang out personally with me is Marissa Janelle and, um, my business page is Two Peak Studios. And then I, like I was telling you, Kel, I do have a big goal this year to kind of revamp my YouTube channel. And like you were saying, you spend all this time doing stuff for other clients that you don't do for yourself. And I'm like, I have all these video skills. Like, why don't I make myself videos? Like, why don't I go fly the drone somewhere cool just like to make a video for me? Um, so yeah, I'm going to be revamping my YouTube channel next month and in June and going to be spending some time on that during some slow wedding season during July and August before the fall. So um, if you'd like to come subscribe, I'm going to be making some really creative um, content over on YouTube. And it's also Marissa Janelle, the same as my Instagram. So I would love to... Uh, have you subscribe and come hang out with me over there. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to do that. So I hope all of you listening follow suit. Marissa, it's been so awesome talking to you. I honestly feel like I made a new friend today. Uh, I feel like our, our conversation was just so organic. It was so fun. Um, I so wish I could hang out with you in person. Um, but yeah, like I said, if you're ever in New Jersey or if I'm ever in uh, in Tennessee, we'll definitely get together. <laughs> Absolutely. And hey, let's have you as a guest on my podcast for season three. Of course. Let's lock it in. All right, everybody. You heard it here first. That was Marissa McGarry. We are so excited to have her as part of the female filmmaker gang. And as usual, thanks so much for listening. And I'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye.